oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, in two elections, the Premier promised British Columbians that life would be more affordable, and we now know that that simply is not the case. Let's start with gas prices. It's been four long years since the Premier actually made another promise. He promised to take action on gas prices. Instead, we've basically had four years of this Premier dodging that responsibility and, in fact, making excuses, none of which made any sense at all. Well, perhaps it was public pressure or maybe a little bit of polling that finally told the Premier he needed to do something. So, two weeks ago, he hinted that help was on the way. But what did we find out on Friday? The Premier's plan continues to be to do as little as possible and to keep making excuses. What was announced won't even cover the cost of filling up the family car. Much worse, it isn't coming for months, and that's if it gets approved by the BCUC. So today, British Columbians have a question for the Premier. They want to know why he has abandoned them to facing the highest gas prices in North America, and they will continue to experience that pain at the pump. Honourable Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And it's uh, little surprise that a $400 million infusion back to policyholders is a little step, according to PC Liberal. Um, of course, uh, that's because over the 16 years that they were in power, Honourable Speaker, you may remember this, they did zero, nothing, not a thing, to reduce gas prices. In fact, their current leader mocked people who raised it as an issue, saying there's nothing you can do about it. Well. Uh, again, uh, it's, it's all easy for the uh, official opposition to say we've done nothing about affordability because it completely dismisses and discounts the fact that we did away with their tolls what? that they brought in to put on those. $1,500 for drivers in Surrey. Well, of course, you wouldn't know that because there's only one member from Surrey on that side of the House. But $1,500 is a big deal. It's Members. a big deal. The guy from Abbotsford doesn't think that's a big deal, but I think his, his constituents certainly do, Honourable Speaker. And, It is the monthly tax that they called the medical services premium, which in fact wasn't a premium for health. It was a tax on poor people. And what did we do, Honourable Speaker? We got rid of it. So I can appreciate, I can appreciate when we took uh, some action on the dumpster fire that was the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia when we came into government. We saw from 2001 to 2017 rates go up by 50%. That's 5-0, Honourable Speaker, 50%. And on our watch, rates have gone down, gone down up to 20%. And there has not been, not been one rebate, not two rebates, but three rebates back to policyholders. The BC Liberals, Honourable Speaker, just to conclude the episode, the BC Liberals used to take money out of ICBC and give it to large corporations. We've chosen to give it back to policyholders. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, thanks very much. And uh, we're continuing to wait for the Premier to make an, uh, to uh, meet another promise, because he continues to raise the uh, new leader of our party. How about calling a by-election, and then he can have that discussion in here. You know, 
members, let's hear the question. All the bluster and clapping that the members opposite want to do today does not take away from what's happening for families in British Columbia. The Premier knows it's not just gas prices, it's housing, it's rent rebates, it's childcare costs. The Premier knows that. And he can continue to dig up the things that uh, he wants to raise in this House. But let's be clear, this issue is on his watch. He made a promise to British Columbians four long years ago. And he knows that this is far too little and it is far too late. And the Premier also knows full well that this rebate should have been coming to British Columbians anyway. But the Premier dusts it off and calls it a gas rebate when he knows full well that British Columbians should have been getting it anyway. The Premier had other options, and he knows that. He could have chosen to return to carbon tax neutrality and provide a targeted rebate. But instead, we continue to have the highest gas taxes and prices in North America. Maybe the Premier would like to hear what Billy Burke had to say. He's actually quitting the trucking business after 20 years because, as he says, he had to spend $14,000 on fuel last month alone. So perhaps the Premier can answer this question. Why didn't he choose to give targeted, meaningful help to low- and middle-income families and those who simply cannot afford to keep managing the highest and most expensive gas taxes in North America. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And again, I thank the Leader of the Opposition for her question. Uh, Werner Antweiler, a UBC economy, uh, economic uh, professor, uh, had some uh, poignant comments to make last week about the targeted funding that we were able to find for drivers, policyholders. And I know this would be a, a mystery to those on the other side of the House because they never did anything like this. It's all well and good to say you should have given it to them anyway. Well, you had 16 years to do it once, and you didn't do it. And you didn't do it. Prices. We did an investigation. That investigation by an independent third party discovered a 13 cent gap between what the companies were saying they had to pay and what they were doing at the pumps. So what did we do to respond to that, Honourable Speaker? You might have remembered it. You were in the House. You voted against it. We passed a transparency bill to ensure that every company that sells gasoline, every company that sells gasoline has to prove, has to prove to customers why they're raising the rates. Now, this is the free market members. party. I know this is a mystery to some of the newer members of the House. They used to be the so-called free enterprise party, and now they don't understand global markets. How is that? What happened? What happened from coming from here to going over there? Markets mean nothing. There's a global crisis. Newsflash, Order. PC Liberals, global crisis, and British Columbia's government's taking steps to protect people. We've been doing that for the past five years. It's a mystery to you how we're doing it, but it's working for people. Member for Sir White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'll maybe let the Premier know that right now, to fill up a family vehicle is $150. And the Premier's rebate won't even cut that. And ironically, while even EV drivers are getting this so-called fuel rebate, the Premier is at the same time hiking TransLink costs with fares going up nearly 4%. 
So, as the Premier says, British Columbians can take the bus if they can't afford the gas. So why is the Premier doing nothing for transit riders and in fact hiking fares for and making this affordability crisis even worse? Premier. Well, Honourable Speaker, kids under 12 travel free now. Uh, that was a saving for family. But, um, maybe, maybe the member, maybe the member should spend more time. Member should spend more time on public transit. I want to go back to Werner Antweiler because he said the following quote: "We have seen a significant price increase, and to take roughly 400 million dollars that's being allocated and divided up uh, by the fuel that is being consumed all across BC, it gives relief of about eight to nine cents a liter. That's what the 400 million dollars will do. Eight to nine cents a liter. Way more than's happening in oil-rich Alberta. Way more than's happening in Ontario. Nothing. Quebec. Nothing." In British Columbia, we're responding to the needs of people because we know that affordability is a challenge for British Columbians. And we've been, for the past five years, undoing the mess that we inherited from the people on that side of the house. I don't know, I don't know what could be more graphic than characterizing our public auto insurance company Order. as a dumpster fire, but thank goodness someone did it and it was lit by BC Liberals. Surrey White Rock Supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And maybe a newsflash to the Premier. Everything's going up. Transit fares going up. Gas prices have gone up. Housing's gone up. Everything has gone up under this Premier's watch. And while the Premier's office is apparently telling EV drivers to donate their rebate to charity, people who rely on transit and get to work at school have no charity from the NDP. There is no charity from this government. It is going to cost $185 just to get a monthly pass from Surrey to Vancouver for public transit. Four years after promising action, it's clear this Premier has given up on finding a long-term solution. So, when will this Premier actually give British Columbians a long-term solution on the unaffordability that it continues to oversee? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I, I give the member full marks for effort. Well done, well done, way to try. Uh, what hasn't gone up in the past five years? Tolls on bridges, because they don't exist anymore. They don't exist anymore. What has gone down, Honourable Speaker, year after year after year? Childcare costs, which was the number one issue for business was to make sure that we could care for our children. BC Liberals don't want to care for kids. Members, the Democrats do. The order. Green Party wants to. The only people who don't think childcare is transforming lives are the people who are sitting on that side of the house. Again, I appreciate when you've got very few rocks to throw, you pick up the same one and throw it over and over again. But I don't understand the supportability stuff. With the, the guy that's coming in, the guy, the guy that's coming in, Kevin Falcon, he oversaw members the year come year to order, please. Every year, every Member. year, he raised them. Every year, he raised them. And when it came to ICBC, and I'm just disappointed that the member for Canada self conscious isn't here. When we asked for information about what they were doing at order. ICBC, we got a report back. It wasn't redacted. The pages were ripped out of the document. That's freedom of information on that Minister. side of the house. Nice try. Keep going. Maybe one day you'll remember. You'll remember that there's a free market economy, and people on this side of the house are working every day to make life better for British Columbians. Well, you whine over there.
Premier, Premier and all members, Premier and all members, do not recognize members who are in or out, please. Leader of the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. It costs $10 to take the Cowichan Valley commuter bus, $10 each way. So if you're a commuter from Cowichan who rides home in the evening, it's going to be $20. You can buy a pass, that's over $200 a month. The commuter bus only runs one way in the early morning and in the early evenings. To take the bus into the city of Victoria for work, riders need to catch it an hour and a half before school starts. And so for working parents, not sure how they tend to their kids in the interim. This is ultimately a policy failure. There are an average of 25,000 vehicles per day traveling the Malahat, and for the vast majority of people, this is the only option available to them getting between the CBRD and the CRD. Transit for Cowichan Valley residents is neither affordable nor accessible. Through you, Honorable Speaker, to the Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure, we're in an affordability crisis. In one of his responses, the Premier told British Columbians to use BC's, quote, sophisticated public transit systems if prices become too unaffordable in the short term. Does the Minister of Transportation consider the Cowichan Valley commuter bus to be a sophisticated, affordable public transit system? Minister of Transportation. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member for asking the question. And of course, we value inner city commuter buses. We're expanding services this year in communities around the province, uh, including the member's own community. And I'm very pleased that this very day, we have introduced a brand new inner community bus service between Duncan and Nanaimo in, her, in the member's constituency. I'm very proud of the uh, budget that is before the House today because it, amongst all of the good things that are in that budget, there is an 11% operating funding increase for BC Transit services in every community in British Columbia, Mr. Speaker. And this year, we will realize an expansion of 120,000 additional service hours uh, in our province, a combined total in excess of $2.5 million uh, 2.5 million annual service hours that provide innovative uh, routes, services, expansion of the types of service that the member uh, has uh, raised here in the House today. These are good things for the community. This is a transit government that is expanding transit service, expanding our investment in public transit, record investments in transit capital funding all over the province, Mr. Speaker. That's our government's con commitment. We got the transit system through the pandemic. We're rebounding ridership as we speak, and we will continue our investments in, in public transit in her community and right around BC. Leader of the third party supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I, I specifically asked about the bus between Cowichan and the CRD. Got an answer about the bus between Cowichan and Nanaimo, so I'll try again. For riders, for people who are commuting between the Cowichan Valley and the Capital Regional District, there is an almost zero chance for them to be able to properly use the commuter bus because it is so limited and, for many people, out of their cost range. Uh, last month's budget 
does point out that transportation is the province's largest single source of greenhouse gas emissions. It also pointed out in the fight for climate change, we need to, quote, ensure that people are able to choose cleaner, more efficient ways to get around, including transit. But for commuters between the Couch and Valley and the CRD, that choice simply is not truly available. And last week, instead of finding a way to support more transit users, this government decided to give a rebate to car drivers. My question again is to the Minister of Transportation. Uh, a three-hour commute by bus uh, return that costs $20 is not adequately serving the transit needs of the people of Cowichan Valley. Can they expect to see an improvement to the commuter bus system? Minister. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. And again, I thank the member for the question. And the, the fact of the matter is, just a few short years ago, there was no Cowichan commuter to the CRD. There is today. We have just been through a pandemic where public transit ridership has been hammered uh, in this province and around the globe. I'm happy to say that BC Transit is now reporting a 67% ridership recovery to date, which makes it amongst the highest in North America. We are on our way to rebounding transit ridership. We are doing so with a budget that increases funding by 11% this year in operating funding. And I have to say that we chose to do things differently in BC when it came to making public transit reliable to people uh, in their time of need during a, a pandemic and all the uncertainties that br that brought to their lives. With the latest uh, uh, partnership with Ottawa that the finance minister and others helped our government negotiate, we took the lead in the Confederation through the Premier on insisting that we needed more money to help public transit recover. We will be close to investing an additional $1 billion in transit recovery funding to the province of British Columbia. Other provinces turned that money down. They cut service, they laid off staff, they slashed transit service. We built back better, Mr. Speaker, and that's what we're going to continue to do in her community and every community in the, in the province. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, when it comes to making life more costly, this NDP government just keeps finding new ways to do it. This time it's on the backs of parents, because parents across the province are going to pay hundreds of dollars more in childcare fees this week because of government's incompetence. Providers have been waiting months for subsidy applications that could cost families over $350 a month if they aren't approved by April 1st. Parents are now going to have to pay more for childcare starting April 1st, and and there will not be funds for wage top-ups for early childhood educators. My question is this, why is the Premier putting childcare providers and the families they serve through so much stress and uncertainty? Minister of State for Childcare. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. I understand that parents in BC have been struggling with high cost of childcare for many, many years. Many parents, even they are able to afford childcare, may not be able to find childcare services at all. And that is why, since 2018, we've started a Childcare BC plan to lower parent fees, to accelerate the creation of spaces, and support early childhood educators. And we've come a long way. For the first time in BC's history, since we became government, parents are finding savings in their childcare fees.
and the fee reduction program that the member is referring to has been a huge success, with over 93% of providers across the province joining our plan, helping us to reduce parent fees together. And the fee reduction program is to make childcare more affordable for families. And from my understanding, my staff, the ministry, are on track to meet all of our express timelines to provide approval to providers. All providers who have submitted complete applications, regardless of whether they submitted by the priority cutoff timeline, will receive approvals by today. While our side of the House has been working hard to reduce parent fees, the other side of the House has been voting against our plan every step of the way. Kelowna Mission Supplemental. Well, that's good news, and if the minister is correct, um, very positive. But newsflash, that's not what parents are being told, and that's not what providers are being told. In fact, childcare providers have been told by government that if they keep providing discounted rates to parents, they are doing so at their own risk. Amanda Worms is a childcare operator who is waiting on a subsidy application to be approved by the minister. Even though her application was made before the February 17th deadline, she, was, she said she was told less than a week ago that she would not be approved for funding, including operating funding, at any of the centres before April 1st. She says, and I quote, this $350 could mean my families can't make their mortgage payments, end quote. Why is this government forcing these families to pay hundreds of dollars out of pocket because of their own incompetence? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. While this is very encouraging to hear the opposition talking about childcare, when they were in government, they ignored the crisis, left parents struggling on their own. So the ministry staff has been working really hard to review applications as quickly as possible. No deadlines have been missed. This is business as usual. We've been doing this for the past few years, learning how to lower parent fees. We've been processing applications. And as of today, all providers that have submitted complete applications have received approvals. The only exception is those providers who are seeking to increase fees beginning in April, and they have been contacted and offered a way to grant temporary approval to provide certainty to parents. So parents can continue to receive the fee relief while their applications are being reviewed. We are doing everything we can to work with both providers, to support early childhood educators, to support the creation of spaces, while the other side of the house are creating division among the childcare providers, are creating unnecessary fear to parents, and not working with us to support parents and providers. Member for Peace River South. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. So we just heard in the House earlier today um, that the Premier doesn't understand the affordability issue, which obviously uh, explains why he's been sitting on his hands, doing nothing, breaking promises, while British Columbia has become the least affordable place in North America. So it seems to be the mantra of this government, make a big promise, fail to deliver, and then blame somebody else for their failure. Uh, we heard today, whether it's gas prices going up, doing nothing, transit fares going up, affecting people and families, childcare, all the confusion that's happening around that, prices going up. <laughs> Results in British Columbia continue to be the same, Embers. though 
It cannot be more affordable, less affordable here in British Columbia under this government. I know they have no problem voting themselves a raise, though, while everybody else is struggling in the province. For two straight elections now, the NDP and this Premier have promised a $400 renter's rebate. And finally, finally we thought we heard something when the Attorney General, just before this budget was presented, the Attorney General stood up here and said, we're working on it giving maybe some false hope because I see nothing in this budget for a $400 renter's rebate. So I'm trying to figure out who's right here because it's not in the budget, but the Attorney General said they're working on it. So will the government, the Premier, the, yeah, one of the ministers, somebody, since they're working on it, stand up and let us know when the $400 rebate will be delivered? Minister of Finance. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. We've been addressing affordability consistently since 2017, Mr. Speaker. Everything from fixing a dumpster fire, the child opportunity benefit. That's $2,600 a year for a family with two children, Mr. Speaker. That is a significant uh, uh, investment in families. That's money in their pockets. Reducing childcare costs in this budget, in this budget, cutting fees by 50% by the end of this year if your child is five years or younger. Yeah. That is huge, Mr. Deal. Speaker. And again, I hope that the members across the way were gonna support the budget because I hear that they care finally about affordability. Yeah. I fully expect them to support this budget, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. Peace River South Supplemental. Well, Mr. Speaker, back to the question. We were talking about a $400 renter's rebate that this government, this Premier, ministers have promised that they would deliver to help in this affordability crisis. How's, yeah, twice. Half a decade now of making this promise. Uh, the minister completely deflected away, uh, so I'm trying to give her another chance here because the minister sitting right to her right said that you were working on it, that this government was working on it. I know it takes a long time for the NDP to deliver on a promise. We're six years in, almost, of trying to deliver on a basic promise of what they were trying to uh, say that they were going to give to the people of British Columbia. So back to the minister, one of the ministers, maybe the premier, they promised that they would deliver this for the people of British Columbia. Housing prices have never been higher. Rent has never been higher. We've been waiting for this promise. People, families have been waiting for this promise to be delivered. So this is not about deflecting to something else. It's about delivering on a promise. Will the minister stand here today and tell us when renters will get that rebate? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And we are continuing to work on that commitment, Mr. Speaker. But I also want to remind the members that we capped rent hikes, saving the average British Columbia family over $1,000 a year. Significant, Mr. Speaker, and what did the members on the other side of the House? They actually increased. They put a 2% additional increase on top of CPI increases, Mr. Speaker. We got rid of that. We're continuing to save people money here in this province, and we're going to keep doing that important work. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. It's troubling to hear the Finance Minister talk about uh, the renter's rebate, it's actually in the finance minister's mandate letter. She's had that mandate letter through two budgets now. Uh, in fact, it's only meant in her mandate letter for people that aren't already getting subsidized housing of some sort. 
So the fact we don't see it anywhere in this budget is very troubling and very concerning, which means people have to wait another year for relief there. They've waited four years for the Premier to try to action anything when it comes to gas prices. Again, the Premier's own words. This government seems to never want to take responsibility for their own commitments, their own promises, especially election promises. We've heard about the bungling and the confusion in the childcare sector around that. And the interesting thing when it comes to transit or even childcare, the only reason this government has some money for these programs is because like with most things over the last few years, they wait for the federal government to come in with buckets of money and save them from it because they had no childcare plan until the federal government came in with boatloads of money. Members, let's hear the question, please. Order. Order. So again, Mr. Speaker, the so-called fuel rebate announced on Friday will see $30 of that $110 go back to this government in the form of taxation, a nice little clawback that they don't like to talk about. We're seeing transit fares increase in TransLink areas. When will this Premier take the affordability crisis seriously? At least he had a moment, a moment today where he finally acknowledged what we all know, that he doesn't understand affordability, and actually deliver on even one of his campaign promises as it relates to affordability in his province. Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I guess what I don't understand is how these people can keep talking the way they've been talking. I think we need an Adam project in here so we can take the 2022 levels and back to meet the 2017 levels. You're different people. You're different people. Kevin Falcon jacked up, put tolls on the roads in British Columbia, first time in, in 50 years. He increased medical services premiums. He took this so this so-called so-called revenue neutral carbon Order. tax. He took the carbon tax and gave it to his developer friends so they could build houses that people speculated on they didn't live in. And for these people, for these people the who have no correlation whatsoever to the Liberals that I spent 15 years yelling at, the Liberals of today live in another reality. We have been taking steps for five years to reduce costs for British Columbians. The leader of the official opposition mocked the child opportunity benefit. It used to go to children up to the age of six. Up to the age of six. And we brought it in for kids up to the age of 18. Because we know, we know that kids don't get cheaper, they get more expensive. And the only thing that people don't understand, Honourable Speaker, is why it is that Liberals are trying to pretend they're Liberals, because they're not. You should go back to being Conservatives where you're comfortable, tell people what you really stand for, and let us do the heavy lifting on affordability. The balance question period.